just as a reminder for those of you who um, may not have received one, we have copies of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 in the back. If you'd like to ever pick one up and, and go through it, um, or have it with you while we go through it um, here on the screen. Um, this is the shortest of all the articles, I believe, um, so it'll, it'll all fit on there really nicely. But there's been some other articles where it's jumbled up really, really small writing on the screen. Um, and so having the Baptist faith and message physically in front of you is nice as well. Let's pray again before we consider Article 8 of the Baptist faith and message on the Lord's Day, which just happens to be today. Let's pray. Yes. Thank you, sister. We'll pray for them um, in, in that house fire and, and the firefighters that are going there. Thank you for letting me know. I'll include that right now. Father, we just lift up um, Micah and the rest of the firefighters um, here in town and anyone else who's coming outside of town to take care of this um, fire. We pray, Lord, for the family involved. We pray for everybody who's going to care for this need. Would you keep them safe? Would you preserve um, from the fire? Um, we just ask, Lord, for preservation for that family and care and also yeah, your, your grace and help for everybody who is there um, working to assist and to care for this need. Um, we also pray for our time this evening, considering the word and considering the, our church's doctrine. Would you give us hearts to be attentive to the truths that we all hold together, we agree to as members of this church. Would you use it to encourage us and remind us uh, and just solidify some important truths that you've revealed in your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time to consider it all. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was in college, um, I was going to Biola University in La Mirada, California. It's a Christian school. And um, on the Lord's Day, I went to a church down the street um, in walking distance from my apartment, campus apartment. Um, I was checking out different churches in the area. And this particular uh, church, it was a great sermon and it was a great time. But then afterwards, I ended up getting, an, and I'm not kidding, about an hour-long discussion slash debate about whether or not it was okay for Christians to go to lunch on Sunday after church. Whole debate, whole discussion. And just in case you didn't know, Christians differ on this issue of the Lord's Day and what you can and can't do. And so we discussed all those things. And this is young, I don't know, 19, 20-year-old Danny, Daniel. And um, my conscience at, the point, at that time in my Christian life didn't seem to, to bother me in that way. And all the people that were debating and seemed to have a lot of strong opinions about it, at the end of the day, we all ended up going to lunch together, of all things. But was it right? Was, was it right to do that on the Lord's Day? A lot of people have opinions. You're just going to have to wait till the end of our time for me to, to try to answer that um, as we consider our church's doctrine as it relates to the Lord's Day. So let's just jump right in. Uh, to uh, our first point from the Baptist Faith and Message, and we'll see it from Scripture too, is that Christians gather on Sundays. 
Let's just see it from that first little sentence from the Baptist faith and message. It says this, the first day of the week is the Lord's day. It is a Christian institution for regular observance. I want to show our doctrine is rooted not just in opinion, but in Scripture. So let's look at a few passages of Scripture as it relates to this. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. This came up in our finance meeting. And I think some people had written this down, and they're going to go and read the whole context. We're just going to read the first part here. On the first day of the week, which is what? Sunday? When we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, And he, talking about Paul, prolonged his speech until midnight. So we could sometimes (laughs) complain about a long service or a long sermon. Paul was preaching till midnight. And if you go on in Acts 27, and we talked about this in finance meeting, uh, if you've ever heard of Eutychus, Eutychus, what does he do? He hears Paul's preaching long. He falls out the window and he dies. Cliffhanger. You could read the rest of that story in Acts 20 and see what happens to Eutychus. But the point is, When were they gathering? They were gathering on the first day of the week. They were gathering on Sundays, the Lord's day. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's why the Baptist faith and message emphasize regular observance. Why? Because Christians don't get saved and go to church one day and then just never darken the door of a church again. If they do that, they're in grave danger and peril. There's a problem there. And they're disobeying Scripture. Because what does Hebrews 10 reveal? That we need to, what? Regularly be gathering. And what have Christians since the early church, even as indicated in the, in the New Testament, the, the Acts and things of this nature, they met on the first day of the week, the Lord's day. Christians throughout history have prioritized the first day of the week for regular worship, regular on Sundays, not because this is so important, not because we have to, but because we get to. Gathering is so important for us. God invented it. I ask a question. Is God worthy of our worship? Is he? If he's not, we shouldn't gather. But if he is, we should gather regularly because the worthy God has called us and told us that we should gather regularly. Does God think and say that we just don't need other Christian friends And don't need other Christian care. And don't need to to be worshiping and studying scripture and singing. and no. Or does he say we need it? What is it? God thinks we need it. That's why he tells us that we need it. It's for our good. This is also a membership requirement, as we talked a little bit about today, in the baptism that we observed. And we talk about that in our membership process. Not because we have to, but because we need it and get to. Because Hebrews says that the sin is deceitful. Hebrews said that on our own, we can get discouraged. Goodness, we can get discouraged together, can't we? But certainly when we're isolated, we can get discouraged. We need each other. We need to gather. 
Not because we have to, because we get to. And because God has commanded it. So, yeah, we have to. (laughs) I guess I just contradicted myself. But yeah, we have to. But that's not it. It's not like God's got to twist our arm and just be like, oh, you know, y'all have to do something that's just so terrible. No, when we gather and worship, don't we get edified? We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together. We pray with one another. We, we hear the preaching of the word. We're edified. We're built up. We, we're able to use spiritual gifts with one another and encourage one another in the faith. We need it. We get it. If we're Christians and genuine Christians, we love that kind of thing. So we want to encourage other people in that as well because the, the scriptures reveal this to us. And I'll say this. If a Christian doesn't regularly gather with other believers, they are disobeying clear scriptural direction and command, and they're also really in danger. There's something going on in their heart and soul. Why wouldn't they want to gather? Why? I mean, sometimes we want to ask, we miss you. Why don't you want to gather? They're putting themselves in a bad situation of being isolated, missing out. Uh, They're not helping anybody else, and they're not getting help themselves in a dangerous place, but we want to worship because we get to worship and God has called us to worship and we should care about that. We should seek the encouragement and we should be seeking the Great Commission together. But if we never gather, we're going to be disobeying God and we're also going to be just hurting ourselves. You've ever heard of the terminology, just shooting yourself in the foot with that one, right? Is that how it goes, right? What does that mean? It just means when somebody, it's a self-inflicted wound, How many of you think it's a good idea to just shoot yourself in the foot? That's the worst idea. But some people, in a lot of different bad decisions, create self-inflicted wounds and shoot themselves in the foot, metaphorically. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest way to shoot yourself in the foot is what? To forsake the gathering together. You're only hurting yourself. We need each other. Does that make sense? Baptist Faith and Message points that out. Scripture points that out. Let's go to point number two. Now, we saw that, number one, Christians gather on Sundays. Number two, what do they gather for? To celebrate the gospel and to worship. Let's see it from the Baptist Faith and Message. It goes on and says, It commemorates the resurrection of Christ from the dead and should include exercises of worship and spiritual devotion, both public and private. Let's see in Scripture, in John chapter 20 and verse 1, it says this. Now on the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Sundays, the Lord's Day. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. When did Jesus raise from the dead? The first day of the week, the Lord's Day, Sunday. Believers commemorate the resurrection of Christ, as the Baptist faith and message says. They worship God together in spiritual devotion, public and private. Let's see it from the next passage as well here in John chapter 4 in verses 21 through 24. It says this, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, this is Jesus speaking, and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit 
and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We gather regularly on the Lord's day, but we gather to worship because God is worthy of worship. Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and Christians in the early church and even in the scriptures as we saw examples already have been gathering on that day to celebrate. We see it documented, we see it there in all church history, and that's why we do it here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin. Does that mean that if somebody has to, based on um, circumstances, there's a, there's a church in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi that we were just talking about in our finance meeting, um, that I know the pastor that is there, and he just, this year, because of some cultural um, changes in the work week schedule, um, which was preventing them from being able to gather on a Sunday logistically there, based on the culture there in, a, in Muslim culture, um, things have changed to where they've been able to gather on the, on the Lord's Day. Were they in sin before when they couldn't gather on the Lord's Day because literally everyone, and I mean everyone was working on Sunday there? Were they in sin? No, there's circumstances in which you, you could see, and I, you, would, you would see that in missionary context, people would not be able to gather on the Lord's Day on Sunday. But they were rejoicing. This pastor, remember when, we, when Wood and I were giving updates about COVID-19 a couple of years ago, and we are trying to talk about the logistics about how to like figure out when we're going to meet and how and why, all that kind of stuff. He was doing similarly this past few months, that kind of thing, leading his church to, to see the need and, and the blessing to be able to worship now on Sundays because the schedule within that community allowed it now and more people were going to be able. And he's giving these updates and talking about how Christians throughout all church history have been meeting on Sundays because for the whole history of their church, they've been meeting on a different day because of the cultural situations. But by and large, in the normative situation, Christians have been meeting on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And that's why First Baptist Church of Gallatin meets and gathers on Sundays. Transformed believers worship God also, Christians, from the heart. We, we saw, you saw that in the other passage in, in John as well. And since we are converted, we're believers, we have new hearts, we're born again, we're transformed, we worship God personally from the heart, then we gather together to worship God from the heart in our regular Sunday gatherings um, together. This is what we do. This is what Christians do, and Christians throughout history have been doing it. Um, so does that mean we don't worship God every day? No. We worship God every single day. We, we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and we seek to worship him, and we pray, and we read the scriptures every single day. But the Lord's Day is a, a, a day that's set aside specifically to focus in on gathering together regularly. This is what we do. We do it every day, but we prioritize Sundays to gather with God's people to worship. This circles us all the way back to that intro now to get into point three that asks the question also, um, you know, can we do other things on, and what can and can't we do on the Lord's Day? And Christians have debated that. That will be answered here in this third point, Lord willing. But let's see our third point in number three. Since the Sabbath is fulfilled, the Lord's Day is now all for God's glory and our joy, let's see a little nuance in the Baptist Faith and Message, a clarification in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 
to actually clarify the Baptist faith and message in 1963 that, that said something a little different than this. But this is a good clarification because there are a lot of different Christian consciences that need a word here to, to work this all out. It says this, activities on the Lord's day should be commensurate with the Christian's conscience. You see that? Under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our king. He gives us our marching orders. Every believer needs to look to God's word, look to Jesus, and do what he called us to. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 says this, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That Sabbath rest is not talking about, let me, let me point this out in Hebrews 4, it's not talking about Saturdays. The Sabbath of the Old Testament is what? On Saturdays, right? And the Sabbath had a lot of different rules in which people would entertain. The author of the Hebrews says there's a Sabbath rest. You think, oh, is that Saturday? No, he's talking about an eternal rest because of what Jesus did Because of Jesus' death, he's led us to an eternal rest. And as we've seen in our Galatians series, we are no longer under law but under grace. We're no longer under the Mosaic law and the administration, which is part in part why we don't keep Sabbath laws and do all these things on Saturdays and don't do all these things on Saturdays. Does that that make sense a little bit? We'll get to that a a little bit more in a second. The next verse that that I want to point out is Colossians chapter 2 in verses 11 through 17 to to address this as well. It says this, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiving us, forgiven us all our trespasses. Do you see the spiritual language here talking about physical circumcision in a spiritual way? He's talking about conversion here. Not of the flesh circumcision, but of the heart. This is when a believer is, is transformed in their heart and they're, and they're baptized. That's the, the contrast here. It says in verse 14, now it says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands... Remember all the legal demands from the law? Do this, don't do this. Do this on the Sabbath, on Saturday, don't do that. He does so many different things. What does he say? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, listen to this, let no one pass judgment on you Questions in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. You see that? These are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belonged to Christ. Now that Christ has come, some things have faded away. We no longer sacrifice animals. We no longer keep the Sabbath laws in the, in the Old Covenant on Saturday. So, so do we observe the Sabbath on Saturday? The Seventh-day Adventists, for instance, they worship on Saturdays because they're still under that Old Covenant administration in their mind, and they think that, it, that they must obey the Old Covenant law, Sabbath laws, and which is why they worship on Sabbath. As, as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, our church doctrine and where we're at, we would disagree with someone for those conclusions. 
we're no longer under the old covenant administration. We don't gather on Saturdays and keep the stringent laws because we're no longer under the Mosaic law like the people of old were. Also, that Sabbath of Saturday, as some people say, just transfers to Sunday. So just take everything from Sabbath and Saturday, just transfer it to Sunday. Sunday. Good Christians, now let me say this can differ because different consciences work this out differently. Okay, so I don't want to step on toes unnecessarily because good Christians work this out differently. But the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 leads the nuances to Christians' conscience to work out in their own lives, in their own conscience, how they work out what they might do on Sunday and how they think through this because good Christians have differences on this, right? And so in the Baptist Faith and Message in, in 1963, for instance, it got into, it said things that were a little bit more, you know, narrow and would have bound crinch, uh, the consciences of some Christians who might see the, the, the Sabbath and things like that fulfilled in Christ and were no longer under those rules and things of that nature. Don't do this, do this. But we have freedom in Christ and we enter an internal rest. So some Christians might not have some of those stringencies on, on a Sunday other than wanting to worship and gather. They want to do that. But the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 opens it up a little bit and allows Christians to work some of these things out in their consciences. Does that make sense? I think that's important for us to think through. Uh, because Sunday is for the gathering to worship and glorify God. And Jesus, though, uh, is our rest and is our Sabbath rest in what he's done in saving us. And so the Lord's day is not the Sabbath. It's not the Christian Sabbath. The Sabbath has been fulfilled. We worship on Sundays because Jesus rose on Sundays. Christians just need to work out how they slice up their work week and how they slice up Sunday. They should prioritize the devotion and worship of God. Don't get me wrong. But but the, the, the hand slapping of you can't do this, you can't look over here, you can't um, you know, have a good time and you know, play outside or something, or you can't bring your trash cans in because that would be sin. That would be kind of going, I think, beyond what the New Testament talks about when it talks about the Lord's day. And of course we need rest. We are finite, and God has given us a pattern of work and rest in the Scriptures, but there isn't stringent law rules like we see in the Old Covenant and we could seek our rest and things of that nature. Because, I mean, let me tell you, Wood and I, we could attest to this. Are Sundays restful for us, or those are the busiest day of the week? We need to find our rest on different days, right? But do we worship on Sundays? Amen. Every single one of us are regularly worshiping and gathering. We need the pattern of work and rest played out, but, but our ultimate rest is in Jesus, and we're no longer under the old covenant under the Sabbath uh, keeping, the Lord's day is the day that we set aside for the worship and, and joy and glory of God. So what should we do on the Sabbath? Uh, c- could we go out to a meal? If your conscience allows you, I think you can go out to a meal. If your conscience doesn't allow you because you feel that that would be, it wouldn't be good, then you know I think the scriptures in other places tells you not to sin against your conscience and, but we should be sensitive to each other as we work out different areas of the Lord's day and our conscience. But the point is that we should and we get to worship God. This is a glorious thing. This is a wonderful thing. We regularly worship and we, and we get to be able to, to do that in a variety of ways. And we have multiple services here at our church on the Lord's day to worship God. And I would say prioritize that and then the rest do what your conscience allows you all to the glory of God and all for joy. 
And each Christian family is going to work that out. And so the young Daniel who, who thought it was okay to do that as a new Christian, I could have been wrong. I could have been wrong. Based on what we're seeing here from the Baptist faith and message in Scripture and what we see in the New Covenant and the New Testament, I think I was probably had right sentimentalities and or right thinking at the time a little bit to be able to be free uh, to, to be able to do some of those things and not be under those stringent rules. But other Christians could work that out differently. But we get to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. We remember his life, death, and resurrection. We remember the gospel, and we worship him. Praise God we get to do that. We're doing it right now. Let's pray, thanking God for uh, the blessing of the Lord's Day together. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that we're able to worship you and that you've given us direction about regularly gathering because without that direction, it would be easy to forget. Even with that direction, it's easy to forget. And so help us to see and have a passion for the gathering Um, with your people regularly on the Lord's Day and prioritizing spiritual things, prioritizing spiritual conversations, prioritizing spiritual content and prayer and singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and hearing the word and and, and gathering together to use our gifts to edify one another. Would you cause every one of us in this room to just love that and want that and, and want that for others? Not in a legalistic way and shaming other people, but in a way that would point people to the good, glorious things that happen on the Lord's day for your glory. Let us emphasize that. And let us continue to do that even now as we continue in the business of our church. We ask for your wisdom and help. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.